Find the Relationship Podcast, a podcast where we explore the relationship we have with the Bible and ourselves. I'm one of your hosts, Darlene Enstick. And I'm the other host, Ted Enstick. And as you can tell from our names, we belong together. I just define the relationship. Welcome, everyone, to the Define the Relationship Podcast. It's uh, episode number 25. Important. That's like an anniversary, isn't it? Like that's our silver anniversary. You like numbers, I think. Do I? Yeah, because like we've been doing this yoga thing daily, and I like that's eighty three straight days yeah, if you're counting. I'm just not counting. I'm not a count. I'm not a countdown or a count up person. I guess what is? I'm not sure what that says about me. Anyway, uh, this episode twenty five. Yeah. Define the relationship. We have been on this, uh, ride, crazy ride of, um, talking about the Bible and then moving on to other, other areas of deconstruction and reconstruction and how we can think about that. And, um, we're, why don't you tell us about well, what we're going to do? Yeah. Today? I just want to say it's been a month since we've put out a podcast and, uh, the last time we did it, we were speaking... More numbers. Four yes, weeks. Four, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. The last time we were together, we were, were talking to Pete Enns, which was... How many days ago? <laughs> I don't know how many days ago. Anyway, that was a significant uh, podcast for us. And then the other Pete Enns in our life, your dad, was having some, some health issues. Mm-hmm. And so that's a big part of why we haven't been together to have a conversation, because... You've been spending a fair amount of time caring for your dad the last number of weeks, and it's good to report that he is on the mend. And uh, yeah, so yeah, today we want to uh, we want to get into um, some questions that we raised a while ago about um, how do we move from a deconstructing pose, sort of uh, you know, thing, things falling apart, things falling down, taking things apart. Uh, rethinking things and then thinking about how we put stuff back together. What kind of vision do we have for various parts of our part of our faith reality? And uh, we've done a lot of that, I think, deconstruction and reconstruction around the Bible. And um, today we want to start focusing on some of the larger issues that we as a faith community face. And, uh, and we thought, why not start talking about what it means to be church? Yeah, and before we kind of jump into that specifically, I have been thinking even since Sunday, thanks to you, Ted, about um, an image that you showed at uh, at the worship service, and that was this, you know, image of a trapeze artist that is letting go of their bar that's high above the ground, right, and and they're flying through the air and they haven't grasped onto the hands of the person on the other bar yet, but they've already let go of, of this one. And I, I, I actually really, I love that image because I think that's a bit of, um, what I've been hearing from people as I've interacted a little bit with people on this journey of, um, of reorientation and kind of this feeling that, wow, I've let go of something, but am I just like, there's nothing, you know? And, um, I feel like I have nothing to grab onto Hmm. and we don't want to, that, although that may be important, if you do that, there's also this sense that, wow, you know, am I just going to like flop on the ground and die <laughs> or is this, do I get to grab onto something else? And I, and I think that is this imagination exploration of reorientation, reconstruction is, um, the process of what are the things that we think we can grab onto? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, part of that conversation and part of that that maybe the struggle of that conversation is that I think there's something, I don't know, is, is it something inherent in being human that we, 
we desire to grab onto something that we can, yeah, something that we can count on, something that we can trust. When, um, when we're dealing with a lot of uncertainty in our lives, and maybe a lot of us are experts on that because of our, our recent experience over the past year dealing with pandemic, um, you know, living with a lot of uncertainty is very, very hard on us. Mm-hmm. Like our energy levels, um, we're more anxious. And so I think there's a desire in human beings for us to have a concept of where, yeah, I can really, I can, I can grab onto something like that. That, that makes sense to me. I can live off of that. I don't have to keep rethinking why I'm existing every day I get up. I can sort of fall back on something and, um, I can rest in something. So these are, I think the importance of not just wrestling with things that don't seem to work anymore, seem things maybe that have fallen apart under their own weight. Like, uh, that's something I appreciated that Pete Enns talked mm-hmm. about how deconstruction isn't something that we do to something. It's actually something that's happening internally. And sometimes circumstances help it to happen. And um, I think that's a good transition to, to talk about what it means to be church um, because one of the, I'd say, internal deconstructions that taken place in the last year is that um, we've been asking a lot of times over the last 12, 13 months, what's, what does it mean to be the church when you physically can't gather together? It's not safe. Um, is it still church when you meet on on virtual platforms like Zoom or, or uh, you know, video video chats or whatever, and uh, is the church going to look the same going forward when we come through a time like this? These are all questions that were raised by an outside circumstance that, um, and yeah, they're raised by by what's happening in our world. But even before that, um, these things were. Uh, showing themselves quite evidently to us that, you know, the church that many of us grew up with, that, that sense of stability and how everything was ordered, even in this community of Altona, I don't think we had it in the same way in the city, but, um, at least not to that full extent, but the, but the sense that, you know, everything is ordered around the church rhythm and that's been crumbling. That's been, we, we're not doing it. We didn't do it, but we've been part of a society where that kind of stability of the church structure and the days of the week. And, you know, um, this is just built in. It's what we do. It's, um, it's habitual, it's rhythmic, it's, it's not, that's not been the case. And so that's already been slowly moving that way. Then we have the pandemic, which reinforces it in an even starker way. And it's like off the table. It's like, it's not, you know, it's not even possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you have, you know, we're forced to rethink and we've already for a long time said, yeah, the church isn't about Sunday mornings. It's not about a building. Those are already ways in which over the last 20 years, um, we've been trying to reframe what it means to be church. And, and now it feels like we're at another place where we have to, uh, we want to reimagine what, it means to be the church, right? Exactly. Yeah. So let's let's start by talking about a few ways that that we believe it's important to for there to be some deconstruction around how we understand church. I think you kind of refer to one in in your last uh, your last thought, but we're just going to share. Like we sort of identified three of them, and you might identify other things that are also significantly needing to be deconstructed as you listen, but we have three that we think are, are important. And then we wanted to kind of transition to how we could think about reorientating our understanding of what it means to be a faith community. 
what's known as the church and uh, and how we see us being the church going forward. That's going to be our start to this conversation, and then we will, in future episodes, deal with uh, a lot of other thorny thorny issues that have come up in our conversations with people. Do you want to just say the three, or do you want me to say the three, and then we can go over them? Well, let's let's go with them one by one, and then uh, and then once we we'll just go back and forth. Since we're in this case, we talked about what we we're going to talk about ahead of time, so. Um, Let's start off with the church as place. I think this is um, a major reorientation that uh, we often struggle with. People in general tend to lump the church with um, a building, a structure. So we think about being in Europe and going into thousand-year-old cathedrals, and we have that sort of picture of what the church is. And although our particular church buildings in our community are not nearly that old or that majestic. There is a a strong connection between place and church. Mm -hmm. Even the language we use, well, I'm going to church, or it's happening at the church. Um, And when we say that, we're meaning the building. We're meaning the place where people gather together. And, um, you know... Um, I feel like that's been a big thing that, at least in our in our leadership of of uh, the Seeds community now, I won't say how long it's been, but for a long time, um, we've wrestled with how do we think of ourselves as being something other than just a place or a building, and uh, we've even tried but to to change the name of the building where we meet, not calling it a church, calling it something different and saying that we as Seeds Church, we meet at the exchange building. And um, even with all that intentionality, we can still find ourselves slipping back into a sense of like, oh, I was at the church. I just spent some time at the church. Um, Or people refer to the building as our church building. And uh, so... I think one of the one of the negatives of this perspective is that we we don't think about the people who form the community that meets and gathers in certain buildings and places. We tend to lump it into something that's like static and never changes. And um, yeah, I think I think we, we we can fall into that so easily. Maybe it's because. There's nothing more certain than a building that's standing. That's at least something solid that we can refer to. But uh, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts about the church as place as being something that has needed deconstruction or um, we need to yeah, reorientate our thinking about that? I think it's it's been too narrow. That's one thing that's, um, that you're alluding to. And also... Um, maybe even spiritually it's been a tech something to check off like does do you go to church you know we if you go to church then that means you're a christian i i guess or it means something and you know sometimes people would be like they're not even asking a faith question they're just saying well do they go to church so that's something like that isn't really about a building, but it is about something, something, um, I don't even know, like, help me. I'm just talking about this off the cuff yeah. here. Like, yeah. it's like, oh, does he go to church? Does that, what does that say? What, what, what is it about that? That is like, um, if you're a part of going to church, that means you attend somewhere on a Sunday morning, then you're included in, you know, that place is important and yeah. you've yeah, ident- no. identified it. No, I agree. I think, I think, yeah, like maybe that sort of transitions into the second thing that we identified around mm-hmm. belonging. And uh, why don't you introduce that idea? Yeah, so um, I think one of the ways that that we have 
seen church, it's kind of hard to talk about this in a way because we're always talking about the order of it and then the disorder. And then, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, church as place is about more about like static up a place. And we want to think about reconstructing into connect, being connected as community over place. That might be where we're headed in, in the reimagination. Mm-hmm. Um, the church as a place where you belong and you belong because you're in, you've got, you've been baptized or you believe the right things, the things that are important to the church, um, is a way for there to be both, I won't say it in a positive or negative way, but just like belonging or a boundary. Mm-hmm. So it's been a way of pe- identifying who's in the church, you know, who's in the directory. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, if they're not in the directory, then I don't know, where are they? You know, where are, where's their soul if they're Mm -hmm. not in the directory? Um, so a way of identifying in and out perhaps. And so as some of that has kind of fallen away, either both internally for people or, in just in the world that we're living in, what does it mean to, to imagine, um, a more open, um, church again, maybe when I say that word, it's just like, well, it's just like anything. It's just like, it's all free flowing and you're not Mm. hanging on to anything is, is, is there anything to hang on to there? But I think, it's something we have to wrestle with in, in terms of like, well, I don't know if I believe that anymore, like more and more in our community of faith, I think we've been, we're already into the reimagination phase. Cause I feel like people are connected to seeds that haven't signed any papers, haven't been baptized, don't are, are unsure about where they want to be. Um, in terms of relationship with God and Jesus. Um, but they want to feel like they are a part of the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I think like some of these, some of these ideas, they're not like there's a bit of gray area as you, you think about them. So part of, I mean, this is kind of just, circling back to the church as a building or the church as a place, um, that way of thinking makes our thinking about how the church operates and what it means to be the church kind of, it, it makes the categories even more rigid in other places. And so we start to think about like, well, if you put a fence around the church, the church building or the idea of the church, like, do we find ourselves inside the fence? Are we welcome? Do we belong there? Or do we see ourselves kind of, oh, that person's not in the church. They're outside of the church. They don't go to church. They're not church people. They don't, they don't believe the things that our church believes about, about uh, the way things are ought to be or how God operates. And so there's this in and out kind of um, Understanding, which again is a very kind of solidified, um, I would use kind of like the word ossified, which is a sort of like something that was once moving becomes rigid. And uh, and I think that's, I experience that as frustrating sometimes too, because I I would prefer a little bit more certainty or when the denomination comes and asks us, okay, how many members do you guys have at seeds? And we say, you know, it's complicated. It's complicated. We don't have (laughs) membership. And yet year after year, they keep coming back and we're still supposed to give like, well, who is part of seeds? And like, we, we haven't ever defined it in those ways. So in some ways life would be easier if I was able to say, well, it's this, it's this number, (laughs) right? Um, or even some of the things that we do, like 
even in the pandemic, when we throw things out there to the seeds community, sometimes I'm like, I don't even like, who is the seeds community? You is, know? is there anybody See, out there? <laughs> is there anyone out there? Like, so it's this dance between, you don't want it to be too rigid, but you also want it to be like real, tangible, like, Right. That you have a way of of understanding it. And sometimes that feels tricky too. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a lot easier to sort of have an invitation list and you know who's on the list and who's not. And uh, you know, when people arrive at the door at an exclusive party and you're not on the invitation list, then the bouncer says, like, you're, you're not welcome to come in. And uh, that certainly clarifies who's in and who's out. Um, but as a faith community, that's kind of its largest allegiances are to the God of the universe, the God who created everything and everyone and... Uh, you know, and we and we believe in Jesus, who is God's Son, who came to um, show us who God is in its fullest sense, and to show us how to live. And uh, and then when we get curious about this Jesus, we start to see that this is a Jesus who who he tends to kind of blur the lines between who's in and out, and the most religious um, regimented, um, yeah leaders and the the temple of the time which was a structure you know where things happened in a structure where there were actually different levels about who could go in closer and who had to be on the on the outside of the thing you start to see that this Jesus is about something much different than these rigid categories and so um in and out is simpler you know but it doesn't represent the spirit or the or the reality that Jesus was embodying when you look at his life. So we have to wrestle with, well, what does it mean to be tangible and real without it being about who's in and who's out? Right. When something is, like you use the term blurred lines, when something's blurry or... Um, yeah, what, how do you... How do you, um, I guess maybe the question I'm struggling to articulate right now is, are, are we to be, um, more comfortable in that blur and just, um, try not to, to identify it as, nothing like this is what I'm struggling with Mm. is that is that often when we talk about things being uncertain or things being not gray or you know some of that kind of way of talking about things then I I hear people saying well yeah we don't anything goes like we don't believe anything like we're just sort of like it's just all up for grabs it's all a big free-for-all and I don't think that's what we're saying. Um, I don't think that's what we're saying the reconstruction work is. So how I guess I guess we are still struggling too in the reimagination process to go, okay, well how do well how do we articulate that? Like you notice that even when I was talking about it, it's like I don't even know <clears throat> how to give words to that at times about where we want to invite people to, um, to just be okay with the uncertainty or the grayness of something and where we want to say, well, it's not, it's not all gray. Like it's not, there is something, there is a trapeze artist that has their hands out and there's something to grab onto. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that, this is the way I've tended to see things for a big chunk of my life. And that sometimes things that are presented as being clear, 
or having clarity. Um, the assumption is that they kind of they answer the questions, you know, like there's like it's it's uh, it's solid. So if you have membership as a as a church community, you know that people who are part of the membership are committed to the church, right? Because to be a member is to be committed to the church. Mm. Yeah. And, and at the same time, if you have eyes to see and if you are able to get beyond sort of the surface of being on a membership list, you start to recognize that, oh, you know, it's a little tricky when the person who's a member is living out their life in a way that does not embody the character of what it means to be that church community. And another person who has failed to put their name on that list for whatever reason, they just haven't got around to it or for some, maybe there's something a bit um, unorthodox about how they approach life. So people aren't very comfortable with them being on the list. And yet they embody in a more full way the character of that community. And so the clarity of being on a membership list ends up becoming something that's irrelevant. Like, I I mean, I probably said this like a thousand times in my life, but St. Forrest Gump, you know, he, he was very clear about how, um, you know, he, in, in, in terms of when somebody referred to him as being, are you stupid, Forrest? And Forrest said, stupid is as stupid does. And that statement recognized the wisdom that just because somebody's in a category of being something, it's not nearly as important as what is, what is, what is actually the behavior that you live out. And so um, I feel like church is as church does, or church membership is as church membership does, that those things are far more important to be something that one sees like we we understand this as a wisdom thing in life don't look at what people say look at what they do Mm -hmm. and um that to me represents that the integrity of what it means to be church has to look like something where people would kind of observe and say yeah there's something significant about that and they don't always people don't always aren't articulating the things that they're embodying. And that actually leads to the third, the third thing, which is a deconstructing of church as services, mm-hmm. worship services and reconstructing church as, um, as the integrity of like it, the internal and external integrity of a life, uh, of a community that is seeking out the ways of, of God through Jesus and responding to that in very tangible ways and very real ways. So, but we do do services, don't we? We do services. Yep. So you want to say more about that? Like what's the difference between having services or, um, the activity of the church, like, are you saying the activity of the church is not really the church or? Yeah, I don't know. I think about, um, like sometimes people say, oh, the golf course is my church. You know, I, mm. I go to church on the golf course. Mm. Uh, I go to church on my deck with my coffee. Um, this is people trying to communicate that there is more than one way to commune with God. Mm which is true. And I think I maintain, um, the value of, of the gathering of the community in some form. Um, some people listening may say, yeah, I don't know about that. Like that may not, that may not matter to you. Um, but I think that um, I don't know the 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 service is uh, opportunities. So here's the good thing: the good thing is that the services are opportunities for the community to gather, to remember who we are, and to remember what our life is about, mm-hmm. and to remember who God is. 
right? So it's like, it's like this, uh, remembering and perhaps equipping. And then the rest of our life is, is church in terms of, it's a real service. It's a real worship service. It's, um, that takes place. Like I've often said on the hockey rink, um, in the grocery store, in the office, chatting with your kids, you know, in the bar, uh, it, it goes everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so the church, um, is a living organism. It's not a, an event at a time and a place, which I think people know intellectually, but it's still a, a, a valued, um, gathering that looks, may look wildly different, um, in different moments for Mm -hmm. different people. And maybe I don't even, I have no idea what's going to happen out of COVID. Like, um, maybe the, the structure of the Sunday morning thing, maybe that will change forever. I, mm. I like, I have, I don't know where, where that stuff is going to go. Yeah. Like I think one of the, one of the helpful ways we've articulated what we do as a church for, I mean, it's almost a decade now that we've been thinking this way, but we've used the language of what we do at seeds is we create environments mm-hmm. for people to connect to God to themselves and to others. And um, what I like about that statement is it, it, it always asks the question, so what would be a good environment for people to connect to God, to themselves and to others? Where, where can that happen? And for a long time, we felt like the two primary environments were large gatherings where we come together to sing and and hear some teaching and connect. And then also small group gatherings were more in the home and you get to know people in a different way, in a, in a more full way. And you still are doing that in the presence of a connection to God and to yourself. And those were two environments. And then when the pandemic hit, we suddenly, we realized the, the only environment at our disposal was a zoom gathering for a long time or, small gatherings outside or whatever. And at times we'd say, well, this is not a very fun environment to connect to God and to others and to self. Like people get fatigued by screens and televisions and things like that. But the, the desire to create a space where people could make those connections was always there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you're right. As we come out of pandemic and we've been working with this hybrid model where we, instead of having a large gathering every Sunday, we've decided to do a large gathering every second Sunday and encourage our small groups to gather on the other Sunday. You know, maybe there's a chance that this is the kind of model going forward, or maybe there's some other models that, uh, you know, that we find a way to prioritize environments that allow us to connect. And, um, just one cool story coming, sure. coming out of the pandemic and there's lots of negative stuff about zoom fatigue and all that. Um, but I had a conversation with somebody a couple of weeks ago where he said, like, I would never, I've talked to people this year that I, you know, if we were in the building in the space, hmm. I wouldn't talk to those people. I would be talking to other people, but because of the pop-up cell on Zoom, suddenly, you know, they're in a breakout room with somebody and that person keeps showing up. And so it's just kind of, to me, that was a neat story of Mm -hmm. somebody saying, I really, I'm going to miss that if we go back to normal because this has been, that's been really cool. And so maybe there's, that just always reminds me that there's many, many more things to experience, whether it's forced upon us or whether we choose, (laughs) there's going to be like more and better and 
beautiful ways to, to connect. So it seems like our reimagination of church, um, we've talked like a little bit about, you know, place boundaries and worship services. Those are the sort of the deconstruction Mm -hmm. areas, but at the center kind of, of all of them is, is a foundation of, of connection. Don't you think? Mm -hmm. So is that like, is that maybe one of our big kind of handles to grab onto? Yeah. I think connection is a, a big part of what it means to be a community. Um, I, a way of, th- I mean, we use the word community a lot when we think about the church and we, we talk about it even our local community. And what do we mean by that? We mean the people that are, that live around us, that we do life with and we're in relationship with. This is what it means to be a community. And the church, I believe, is a community. It's a, it's a community of faith that is committed to being connected to God and doing that in the context of other people. And sometimes it's, it's a formal gathering, and, and a lot of times the church just springs up, you know, depending on where you are and what you're experiencing. Yeah, definitely. And I, I love, like, we don't, we don't go to church. We are the church. Like, mm-hmm. we, we, you don't, go to the church to do things you you do church like you you um as like stanley Howarth would say that like be the church yeah and which which to me says like it's not about a certain time at a certain place a certain time of the week it's actually something that we embody every day of our lives and we're trying to live something out and we're doing it connected to other people who are also trying to do something like it. Yeah. I like that. And maybe if it's not either or either, like, it's not like, Oh yeah, since we're the church everywhere and anywhere, that means we don't have to go to church on Sunday mornings. Yeah. Okay, fine. You don't have to go to church, but you, but it also doesn't take away from the value of a community gathering and having a ritual of remembrance and, you know, like my dad had an accident and he was in the hospital and, you know, that was forced upon him. And one day when he was telling us about how, you know, when anybody would come in and talk to him and connect with him, like a a man came in and gave him a bath and he with like emotion talked about, um, how powerful it was to be spoken to and to be touched to be cared for. And I can't help but think like, isn't that the church? Mm -hmm. Like, did he, did he go to church? Did he experience church right there? Mm. So what is, yeah, I don't want to make everything the church, everything church, but like, I don't know. How, like, didn't it, he experience it? Yeah. And I, like, I love that story because somebody was being the church for him. Mm-hmm. And at times we are called to be the church for others. So one of the, one of the frustrations with church's place or church's in and out or church's services is that it can become very self-oriented, self-centered. And sort of like, I go to church and that's the church I go to. And I'm in that, I'm in that church. I don't want to be in that church. I've stepped out of that church, you know, and then, oh, the church needs to offer me some services. So feed me, you know, like, uh, well, that was a good church service. I got something out of that. There's Mm -hmm. so much self-referential kind of understanding around, around these ideas. And I believe the church is much more of an interdependent body of people. So, um, I can be the church for you and I can count on you being the church for me. And, um, this is why our values of like connection, 
it's important that I'm connected, but it's also important that I make space for others to be connected. Some people are less connected than I am and need connection. And uh, will I be a part of a group of people that values connection so much because I need it and because others need it and I want to be a part of both receiving and giving? Um, and then the whole openness piece that I want to be in a place that is open to me, my thoughts, my feelings, my experience. And I also want to be a part of a place that makes space for others to be a part of it and, and people who are very different than me. And uh, that's been a huge struggle for, for church because we just sort of want to make the church as much like ourselves as possible. And we want to keep everybody out that doesn't think like us, uh, doesn't look like us. And the church needs to be a radically inclusive body uh, because I need that. I need people to accept me inclu- like radically inclusively. And I also want to be a part of a community that does that for other people. And yeah, we need to do something like we have to be active. We can't just be, um, you know, that word, the frozen chosen kind of like, well, yeah, we're, we're in and we go to church and I'm, I've got my ticket. I got my ticket to heaven and I'm, I'm good. Um, no, we want to be a, a community that actually is a part of like bringing heaven into reality in our, in our time. And there's so much that is unjust and so much that's broken in our world. And, uh, can we be a community that actually heals some of the brokenness and offer solutions to some of our problems? Yeah. So I think one of the lingering questions for me that we're not going to solve, but is how in, in this, um, reimagined kind of more fluid church, where, uh, does accountability find a place and where does intentionality, what does, what does it, what does it look like to do something together? Like, so it doesn't feel like, well, I'm just doing my thing in my life and my world, trying to be the church and experience church, but how does that intentionality and accountability, what does that even mean? Like, so in this new, in this new reconstruction. Yeah. Like, so I don't know I, I'm, I'm just sort of freewheeling here a bit, but my kind of, my gut reaction to it is why are we so concerned about accountability? Like accountability just sounds like, um, to me, somebody holding something over the head of somebody else. But what if it was reconstructed? What if we deconstructed that kind of accountability? Sounds what? like it sounds like another podcast I episode. Don't know. Like <laughs> what if Yeah, how do you how do you reconstruct oh, like, For me it's like if I want to do something, if I want to grow in some way, it often helps me to do it with others because others hold me accountable. I need accountability in my life, not for somebody to hold something over me, but to feel like I'm a part of something with you. Like you're you hold me accountable to doing yoga. Yeah, so you, I was like, I was just thinking of, out of bed. I was just thinking about this, but um, so we're this is the eighty third day of the new year, twenty twenty one, and counting? I, I'm counting. I'm counting every day. <laughs> <laughs> it's the eighty third day of the year. Because you want a star, you need a gold star. I know. I, I'm not getting a gold star. I just want to talk about this. Is a, I think this is a good example of about well, is this accountability or not? We. I mean, we have, we have practiced yoga together for a long time. Mm. And at times we have made commitments to, to do, you know, 30 days of yoga programs, often at the start of a new year. And in the last year, because we've been homebound quite a bit, we've done a lot more yoga than we've done in any other time because we just have a lot more space for it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where the idea came that we said, oh, it would be, I think I saw a video of somebody who did a hundred days, straight days of yoga. And I thought, I think we could do that because I think we've done it enough that that wouldn't be impossible. We've done 30 straight days before. Let's try a hundred. And we're probably going to be in this pandemic lockdown mode for a long time. So it'd be a good time to try it. And so we started it and 
um, I just think about that. Like, have we ever kind of held each other accountable in the sense that we said, uh, come on, Dar, you made a commitment to do this. Why aren't you doing it? Like, come on, do better. Or is it just been the natural sort of reality that, you know, we're living together and one of us wakes up and, and prepares a place for this to happen. And then but we just say, thing. Hey, okay, it's time. We're, we're going to do it now. Now's the time. It's uh but that's the thing we have, we've built something in and it's like, you're talking about accountability. Like it's a shame thing. And I'm talking about, is there, is it possible for it to be a, I think what you said makes sense. We're, we're, we do life together. And so we're doing this together. And sometimes you have to wake me up three times. You right. don't let me just sleep. Right. You keep coming back and you say, dar. <laughs> I say, dar, to, it's time you're to get a bad going. person. It's time to get up. Dar, you're really letting me down. Yeah, dar, no. time to, no, I don't no. say that. Right. I say, okay, it's time. So you, you have, so you definitely, accountability is a trigger word for you. Yes. I think it's a trigger word because accountability, at least in the church setting, has often been just used as an excuse. It's a weapon. It's, well, it's like we are part of the Anabaptist Mennonite tradition and we have a, like a, we have a, a terrible history of shunning, which is an accountability process, like um, church discipline that if if you know if you believe the wrong things about something or you ask questions the wrong questions or if you are a part of a group of people that we think don't fit with the church then we're just holding you accountable we're loving you in fact we're yeah. loving you by making sure you're on the outs until you do yeah. better okay so we know that that that's bad and we have a bad history of that but I'm wondering still, and we might have to close this off soon, but this is good. I'm still wondering if the, the other side of that swing is like, we don't get to feel a part of doing something together or to like, I mean, you're talking about somebody making a bad decision in the shunning thing. Cause like you did something wrong, but like, so let's, let's pick a hot topic. Then currently it's like, um, sex before marriage. Right. Um, it's like, where, where, where do we have space to walk intentionally with people on their sexual journeys? We're finding a way to do that with, with different orientations. Um, and like the sex before marriage thing is just something we just, like we don't, we don't talk about it. And, and what I'm sort of regretting that I chose that one, that example, because I'm still, I'm using it in terms of thinking where the church has said something's wrong yep. and the accountability is about getting the wrong people on track. That's not really what I'm asking. I'm asking about when we say we want to go somewhere and be something together how can we be in it together yes so this is this was i think what my point that i was i thought i might be able to make by talking about the yoga example is that the the truest thing about what we're doing with the this the like doing yoga every day over a long period of time the truest thing about that is we want to do it and because we want to do it, we're prepared to um, sometimes do it when we don't feel like doing it. But we we sort of we we remember, okay, I wanted to do this, and I and I know once I start doing it, I, like so. There's there's something going on motivationally. Yes. In a community, the two of us are a community doing this, and there's something in it that we don't have to resort to. Um, chiding or shaming or i mean there may be a little nudging but it's it's never like it's never like oh you promised and you're not doing it now it's kind of like i know that eventually you're going to come and uh, we're going to make it work and sometimes we have to to fit it in but it's it's become something that we love to do mm -hmm. and but there might be some things 
Sorry, I should let you finish. No, I just, I just feel like that's the vision yeah. of a community that is so invested in, in something that gives life to themselves and also brings life to others, that that has its own way of shaping us in a positive way. And I just feel like so much of our church experience has been around, well, you just have to have clear guidelines and rules and hold people to, you know, behavioral uh, conduct and, uh, you know, we'll be better off. Well, to me, the fruit of that way of working shows that we're not better off. There's a lot of carnage yeah. from that way. So yeah. I'm still not clear about the alternative vision completely, but that I think this has been a really good conversation and we should probably stop there. If you, any of you want to help Darlene understand this alternative vision or want to help me clarify what I'm trying I, to get at, then I, we would appreciate okay, some input. I love the vision in an ideal. I think at some point on some things, it's something's going to go wrong and it's going to be hard and it's going to get messy. Like, um, and what do we do to still be in something together when it gets that way? But I would love other people's input. You're right. And I think this has probably been long enough, so we should probably bring it to a close. Um, But my favorite podcasts are the ones that just sort of emerge and I want to have a fight with you. Yeah. Well, we don't always record those podcasts when we have a fight that emerges. But uh, in this case, you got to be a part of it. (laughs) Do you still love me? Yes, I do. I, if we define the relationship right now, I still would define the relationship that I'm connected to you. Okay, good. Cool. I'm going to hold you accountable. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everyone. As usual, if you have thoughts, comments, questions, uh, feel free to fire us a message. Have a good day. Yeah, take care. Bye.